Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Listeners from last week will know that what we're doing throughout June is celebrating five funny women that have been on Insane in the Fembrain that we think you might have missed and we want you to hear. These are brilliant episodes um, that we're putting out again because we, we want you to hear them. They're brilliant, brilliant guests. Um, and they don't come more brilliant than the BAFTA-winning uh, comedian Sophie Willen. Honestly, Alma's Not Normal is one of the greatest TV shows ever been written. And Sophie... It's a spectacular story of hers, of story of her life, and because she actually's lived a life that woman. And when you, the TV show, is just kind of, it kind of like, you know, like you get the little bits of it. But really, when you listen to what Sophie went through as a child, it's an incredible story. And when she was on the podcast having a chat about it, it was really eye-opening. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't hold back, and she, she's really honest about everything that gone on. Um, and so with that, it's it, with that in mind, it's even. It's, it's even more, even more joyous to see where she's at now. Where she's BAFTA winning, she's a BAFTA winning writer and actor and comedian. She's incredible, and uh, it was a real joy to have her on uh, on Insane and the Fembrain a couple of years ago. So, continuing our celebration of five funny women, coming up in a minute is Sophie Willen. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
a podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Insane in the membrane. Congratulations on your on your sitcom, mate. Thank you. Is it yeah, it's a, exciting, isn't is it? it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It is, is it called yeah, a sitcom? sitcom isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really pleased because um you know, I got the news when we got into lockdown. So, you know, again I feel really lucky that I had that focus and the work because you know, when you're a creative person and you're out and about and you've got a lot of, well, you could call it manic energy, but there's a creative energy there. Yeah. You need to be doing something and need focuses, otherwise it can it just drive you mad, can't it? So I felt yeah. lucky um, that I've had a focus, you know, and actually can treat this as a kind of undistracted writing time, really. Yeah, same with so, Jade. Jade's got mm. her, she's got a script she's working on. Yeah. And it came at the right yeah, time, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's funny. It's, it's funny to see. It's be like be on the outside of it watching, because we, you know, we we all love mm. sitcoms. We all love TV and, you know, movies and things like that. But it's, you don't get to see where they come from very often. Yeah. Like, or, or most people don't get to see that. So it's interesting to see with Jane, I don't know if it's the same with you, but she's got, she's got someone that's, they're not even, they're not even writing the script yet. They're actually talking about the world that the script will live in. So all the characters yes. and things like that. So is that the same with you? Yeah, definitely. So especially when it's like semi-autobiographical, which I think from what Jade told me, I think hers is as well. It's quite tricky because you're having to think of all these experiences and all of these, especially if it's retrospective, and then pin them down to one specific time, place, and moment almost in your in your background, and pin yeah. it all in one place because it could actually sit anywhere. When the options are unlimited, you know that's when it it's, it's actually getting specific with it. And also when it's based on people and you you train changing them into fictional characters, yeah, you know all them decisions about you know what part of people's character do you take forward and which parts of it do you let go and what do you let become fictional? What else do you bring in that's new? You know, so that takes quite a lot of planning, really. And yeah. then once you've got that, obviously you can write your pilot, which then sets the tone for the series. But that initial planning of the world, I think, is the the most delicate bit really and, and takes a while to get right you know yeah and are you finding it because it's it, it, like you say it's autobiographical or semi-autobiographical so are mm. you finding it are you finding it try is it how are you finding it mentally to go back and revisit things and, and are you finding it all right or i'm always all right with that because i, I did it in theater shows as well but i think over time and then stand-up shows but i think over time i've had to acknowledge that it's a lot more full on than you ever give it credit for because yeah. I think people used to say you know you do Q&A's after shows I did them a lot with theatre it was part of the thing you know and they'd say oh it must be therapeutic for your cathartic and I used to get a bit of a hump with that I used to find it a bit you know I'm not doing my therapy on stage I'd be thinking yeah. you know and I thought actually that's okay that they ask that and feel that because there is some catharsis in expressing and sharing where you're coming from in your unusual circumstances with people and also when you are doing the writing even if you've been for therapy it is another sort of therapeutic process it is and I think a lot of it's about wanting to explain who and where you're coming from with with the world when you feel a bit of an outsider which I think is obviously with a lot of comedians yeah. you know you're trying to explain yourself I think in some way so I think there's something quite therapeutic but then also it can be quite emotionally draining can't it which is why yeah. i think god thank god i write comedy because i do not know how people write autobiographical stuff that doesn't have a joke because if you're not making yourself laugh with it i mean god it's just i don't know how, it's amazing that people can write 
dramas, yeah. I think, that are solely drama without well, it, getting yeah. the endorphins from a, a laugh or whatever, <laughs> you know. Well, I was talking, I was talking to um, actor uh, Nicholas Pinnock a couple of weeks ago. And he All was, right. yeah, like we were talking, he's been, in, he's been in Top Boy and Captain America oh, and things fabulous. like that. Oh, fabulous. Oh, I loved oh, yeah. Top Boy. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Really good television. But mm. that, he did a short film called Closer that I watched. It's on YouTube it's, and it's really powerful. Right. And, and I said mm. to him, how do you feel about, how do you shake off the character after, because it's so, it goes, it's so into you. How do you shake it off? And he said it's really difficult, and it's it's you you know it it, mm. it changes your because your body doesn't know that you're acting. So you know mm. these, so when they're doing these dramas, it really gets in. And so like you say, doing it without having a laugh, or you know mm. sort of. No, I suppose it's different doing a drama than a sitcom. Maybe I don't really, I, I don't really know, but it's still going to affect you. And what I love about you is seeing your show at the Soho Theatre, which was inspirational to me. Like I said to you. Uh, oh. uh, later on because you were talking about your mm. your your past life as, as a sex worker and, and things like that and you were mm -hmm. you were so at ease with it and telling the story and I, that's why I went oh my god I can tell my story that's how you do yeah. it it was you know and you so you sound like you've got your head around it to a place where you feel comfortable yeah I think so yeah it's, it's really I mean, inspiring I think I'm always interested in oh thank you Rich that's lovely I think I'm always interested in what the political themes behind it are. So obviously with that, it was about, you know, the judgment and feminism being dominated by middle class women who set the ideals for everybody based on what's been possible for them. Yeah. And that actually fed into, you know, when when these group of feminists that I was working with at a, a period of time had uh, been quite harshly judging of the escorting. So that was a good way of talking about it. And then I'd written up like a kind of political different opinions on it really so you know is it sexually empowering a whole bit on my thoughts on that is it economically empowering what I think about that and you know what do people say why do we feel it's okay to psychoanalyze sex workers to the extent that we do you know so I've written all the political points mm. and then turn them into a matter-of-fact kind of anecdotal conversation like you might do with someone in the pub and then it becomes stand-up but I think having knowing your political points as well makes you feel a bit more kind of safe with it as well because you know what your objective is you're sharing within um a space that's structured you know yeah. what i mean yeah absolutely it's not uh, it, it, as confessional as it is the structure of it and the fact that you're driving towards a bigger point is what makes it feel like a safe and at ease yeah. uh, thing to do you know that was great it was because honestly because mm. like i said to you in my story about having a, a, a thing with another fella and I didn't, mm. I, it wasn't shame. I just didn't think it was funny. And then when you, I watched you do yours, I'm like, oh, no. I could, and I told, started telling it. <laughs> and now it's one of my best bits. Like, people really fucking love. And yeah. what, there's, there's a lot of talk about like, escorts and, and sex, people in the sex industry. And, and there's, there's always this, other people that, people that aren't in it. I know other people that have, I, I knew someone else that she was a, she was a prostitute. And her husband used to drive her to the jobs, like to, to the clients. And mm, and she did it because you want to drive her, don't they? Well, this is it, and she wanted to do it. It wasn't <laughs> like they wanted to do it. There's there's this assumption that a lot of people that do that sort of work are being forced to, or you know, they're they're forced into it. And sometimes it's not the case. I don't know. Was that yeah. the same with you? Did you, or did you just you didn't have an option? You just kind of went, well, I'll just do I this. I think for it a bit. just what like 
really nuanced, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. as much of a choice as there are mitigating circumstances, you know. And, you know, as I said in that section where it says empowering as it is disempowering, I personally think in reflection now, you know, it was very economically empowering. You know, as I say, in my stand-up, I get to pick me own hours, say what I will and won't do. You don't get that luxury working in Subway, you know. <laughs> but then at the same yeah. time, was it sexually empowering? Probably not, you know, if you mm. look at it for me at that time. But... You know, it was very performative and, and there is this expectation that escorts have to hide away. They don't tell anyone there's a big taboo. Then when they do tell people, they have to do like a big coming out party and, you know, yeah. I'm sexually empowered, I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, well, actually, this need to categorise people in demon or victim or mm. hero or whatever is, you know, putting people in these very rigid singular boxes, which is what that whole show was about, really. It, it doesn't fit. You know, you can be both you know, empowered and disempowered by something. You can be both working class and aspirationally middle. You can be, mm. you know, which is what the show is about, you can be northern and have lived down south. I mean, people don't fit now, I don't think, into one very neat little package. You know, no. so I think for me, I wouldn't want to die on any hill, really, because I think it could be a mixture of choice and mm. circumstances and, you know. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's uh, having these conversations with people through the podcast. I start to realise that people are more fluid, like you just said. You know, they yeah, are. They yeah. don't fit into boxes like they used to, and it's and that's we're not. This is why I, I have a. You see, I see everyone arguing with each other, and I'm like, would you be a bit more? Uh, mm. We need more empathy, don't we? More rather than we really you know, do. You know, yeah. yeah, it gets very tribal, doesn't it? And you know, yeah. what you believe has to mean a whole identity now. If you have one belief system, it has to fit as part of a big identity, and actually, yeah. not always the case, is it? No, so I knew someone that was a she was a ring girl for the boxing, and so you know doing like the like she'd walk around the ring and saying what what round it was and and then all that got when it all kicked off and a lot of feminists were going this that's outrageous making women mm. do this and the other she was really upset because she's like I really like doing it I, I get paid really well I like doing it and now I can't do it because someone else said I can't do it and it's. And so yeah. she was, and and that, that no one's having those conversations. It's just like, oh, they're being, they're being, you know, they're being made to do this. And who's being, speaking and you know. on behalf of these people who are, you know, to I me, mean, that's yeah. what I was, you know, my thing was about the idea that, you know, you've got these the feminist environments are dominated by women from good backgrounds, middle-class backgrounds, who are setting yeah. ideals for everybody. And actually, they're not in those positions themselves. So why are they setting the rules and ideals and structures yeah. and... So I think that's, well, that's something, it, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. who's saying who can do what when? You know. Yeah. Well, they can afford. Yeah. They can. They have that luxury, don't they? They can afford mm. to spend this time setting out the rules and and getting into arguments and fighting Absolutely. the fight and all that. Whereas a lot of people, like working class people, just don't. They like you speak to a lot of working class people. It's not because they're stupid. They just don't have got. They got time. They're like, I've listened. I've got. Yeah. I've got kids to feed. I've got a roof to keep over my head. I got time to yeah. fuck about with that. It's not because I don't care. I just don't have time. And that's the difference, yeah. isn't it? And you know, and that's I, I've, there is uh, that because what your because didn't you this your sitcom didn't you you won the uh, the Carolina Hearn bursary? Is that what that where this started? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where it came from. Well, I'd done um, so I'd done uh, Edinburgh before that, and I'd had tried to get a script off the go for a while before I'd met a producer in uh, Salford called Rebecca Papworth. I'd gone flying all the producers at Media City. And there was one woman there who, uh, you know, small northern woman, and she 
obviously related to me. We got on and she gave me a script commission. I've, I've said before in previous Brilliant. things that you know, that, that diversity is what you need from the gatekeepers, isn't it? Because they yeah. are the ones who will pick things that they relate to because it is subjective comedy and culture, isn't it? You know, yeah. So it's like if everybody's from Eton, then that's not going to help get a diverse, authentic range of work, is it? It's never no. going to quite fit, you know. But I was lucky. I met her. I couldn't get it past her, though. Oh, to really? the bigger gatekeepers, yeah, they the kind of as soon as it went to London, you know, I think one commission commissioner at the not commissioner actually below commissioner said, oh no, we wouldn't take that to commission because female heroin addicts are quite frightening, not funny, and we'd be Fuck we don't yeah. think it would be funny. I know, and I think well, of course, because you know he'd never met one. I mean, he had no. been to Eton, this guy, and you know, actually that's absolutely fine, but he'd had a very different background. So there, you know, that's when you need that, you know, the differences in background. Anyway, I went into stand-up after that, did two stand-up shows that were based on my background and experiences. Yeah. And then still was struggling really to get get in the door with television. You know, it, it, the gatekeepers are, does feel often like one breed of person and it's very hard to get through those doors mm. and get seen and heard. And then eventually um, the Carolina Hearn came up and I thought, you know what, I'm going to apply for that. And I did. And that was kind of what helped really. Brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. And it, it's... Do you find it? It's more, it, not just a class thing. It's because you're a woman as well. I'm not. I mean, I, you know, I'm just because it seems to be. No, I, I know things right, are changing, but, but yeah. Well, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a class and woman thing. Working class yeah. women, particularly. I mean, you look at myself, Jade, Fern. You know, we, we've we've struggled to kind of push. You have to really push for your place. I find you know yes. that that group of women you know and it's funny the amount of times i'm told oh well we've got fern doing that or she'll be told oh well sophie's doing that or you know it's funny they think there's only one place which i think we're all struggling with that because you've got to fit one specific identity and be shoe on in so it's a very strange thing yeah. but i think the, the great thing was i mean it sounds awful but a couple of years ago this new rise of the working class came into edinburgh and when that rise comes you know and then there'd been you know, a kind of rise of female voices. And then there'd been, obviously, unfortunately, uh, Victoria Wood and Carolina Hearn had passed away that year. Mm. And what that did is in the social consciousness, people were thinking about working class female voices in comedy and that they need to be seen. So yeah. for me, I felt that I was able to ride that wave a bit because finally I had a framework that I could fit into that they could digest. Oh, she's not just a stupid Northern woman. Oh, she's not just bubbly or brash or loud or whatever she's like Carolina Hearn she's yeah. like Victoria Wood or whatever they need to frame me in a bracket so that they don't just assume that you're sort of stupid or brash or whatever fine but I felt that that's what you know the Carolina Hearn bursary did as well because it again it you know I could place myself within that framework of someone who'd been before but it's a bit annoying and unimaginative mm. that um, you need a framework like that because you know, it is different, I think, with men, especially that, you know, educated or middle class men and not really ever come to question whether they're funny and smart or not. You no. know, those questions seem to be specifically for, for kind of working class women, really, within comedy. Yeah, you, know. you do seem to, it seems to be you have to prove yourself more because of, mm. of the stereotypes and the assumptions. As soon as you even because there's been stuff on TV with male heroin, heroin addicts and mm. and and. And, and male sex workers and things like that. And it doesn't seem people, 
like you say, because it's a woman, it seems people are even more shocked. And you're like, but yeah, this is what this is what's happening. And it and it's what you're doing is rea- what they're doing is reacting to the stereotypes and not really listening to the stories, which is why it's important that people like you are coming through now and telling these stories, but from a different perspective, a real perspective, having been there, you know, and it's, mm. it needs to happen. And it just needs these people to just stand aside and let it happen rather than, I don't know, just trying to dominate it all the time. You know, they talk about diversity, but they don't go to the, they don't go to the, the black circuit and, and talk to the comedians there. Well, I it's think the, that's you know, it, isn't it? If you've yeah. got like producers who are talking about diversity and going, we need to get a this, you know, and, t- and treating people in that tokenistic way, then you'll only ever get tokenism, won't you? You'll never get... Yeah. If you get diverse gatekeepers, then you've got people from different specific backgrounds and experiences who will relate and find the very best of that comedy that relates to their world in a nuanced and honest and, 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 and funny way. But if you're trying to shoehorn voices in from absolutely no personal experience of that background, how could you possibly you know, get the best of it, you know, in a way. Yeah. So I think it, it it helps with quality as well as kind of, you know, authenticity, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's both because I think that is the problem. You know, you've got someone from Eton going, I, I need to find a black man from Brixton. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And then He's they never going to relate. Yeah. No. And then, they go, and then they go and find a, uh, a black man that's been to Eton. And you're like, well, yeah. all right. Well, okay, no. Why Which you... is a, an interesting experience as well in its own right. Well, God, isn't God it? yeah, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, not absolutely. That's, I mean, that's another but story. But it's a different time, experience, isn't it? But, yeah. isn't it? That's the thing, yeah. you know, yeah. But a yeah, real... it is a funny old world. Yeah. Like when you see someone like Idris Elba, who's from Hackney, you know, and mm. now you see he's like one of the biggest stars on the planet. And he, you know, he, I, I saw, I was watching a, a documentary about him and. You know, he came from he came from where he came from, proper working class, and now he's where he is. Mm. And it's, you know, that takes effort. You know, that's that's yeah. And it and it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, it shouldn't have to be. There seems to be more hurdles for working class people. I don't know. I'm, I, maybe I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder about it. I, it's, like, it's like with these with these podcasts. Well, that's the phrase you that you're told, isn't it? That you've got yeah, a chip on your yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then yeah. I think what's interesting is what comes off the back of that is actually a kind of introverted. I find it's like an, the, the, the idea is that the working class have got a chip on the shoulder. So, I mean, I found when I, I went to Melbourne Comedy Festival, it was incredibly posh, actually, when I thought about everybody's background, really looked, you know, thought, bloody hell, which is fine. But I spent a lot of time trying to prove that I was all right. You know, I'm not going to have yeah. a chip on my shoulder. I'm, I'm going to be, don't you worry about me. You know, don't you worry. I mean, I may be coming from that background, but don't you worry about me. I'm all right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they spend all your time trying to prove that you, you know, it, it, and it actually what's happened is then you've got the snobbery that's originally there that looks down on the working class and then working class anger. And then yeah. what comes is, oh, don't get you angry. Don't be one of those angry ones. And then it, <laughs> actually it's still the same, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I'm doesn't just, really move forward. Yeah. That's it. If you, just because I'm speaking my mind at something that I'm frustrated with, mm. They just go, oh, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Go, no, I'm just, I just don't, I just see what's happening and I don't like it. And I'm saying, and I'm, I'm speaking my mind about mm. it. You know, so like with this podcast, we get there's always a, um, 
awards things and this and that and the other. And there was one the other day and it was this awards, this award thing. And it was all, it was all very, I'm not knocking middle-class people. I mean, producer Paul is one. And uh, I don't want, I want this to go out. I don't want this to just cut it off. Um, <laughs> always, 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 always. Uh, do you know what? I, I'm, and I'm only, I loved, if, if, I, I say this every time. If it wasn't for producer Paul, this thing wouldn't be happening. So I don't want to, I'm not knocking it, but. I don't know. It just seemed yeah. very middle. It seemed very middle class. The the awards thing in it, and people like to say about this podcast because mm. it's not. It isn't like the BBC. There's no like clipped clipped vowels, and there's no. It, like, mental health is the jumping yeah. off point, and if you listen to what we're saying and the conversations we're having, you can hear that we're we're talking about our experiences, and then someone listening will go, "Oh yeah, I've ex- that's how," and that's that's how we deal with mental yeah. health, not by just going, "Oh, these are all the categories of mental health." You know, we're just having conversations, and sometimes because people yeah. don't know where to, they don't know where to put this, or it's too working class or whatever. They kind of just kind of ignore it a bit. And it, that frustrates me a little bit because mm. I want, I want people it to hear it. It is frustrating. And, and they will as well, because it is fantastic. I mean, and also I do believe that the people ultimately make the final call. You know, you can have all True. these critics. Yeah. I mean, I've had said it to Jade before, aren't I? You know, forget all them reviewers. I mean, they'll get on board eventually. And obviously they did, didn't they, last year? Really yeah. got on board and saw for the intelligent, articulate voice she is but it i find sometimes it does take time until you do that one show where they go oh we see you straddle both now sorry we've taken a long time to catch up but we're here you know but i think it it just takes time for for people from that background it's very frustrating but i think the positive thing about it is that actually while it takes you longer i mean i felt that i've I've had to be kind of undeniable in what i've put out you know it's had to be undeniably good because i'd never get away with middle of the road Somebody yeah. else might be able to get away with that middle road and be considered a genius or whatever. That would never be the case, I don't think, with me. So I've got to put out something that's undeniably good, I think, the best it can be, to get, you know, the basic, oh, she's good, that's good, you know. Yeah, and and yeah, that, yeah. that's interesting. And yeah. I think that oh, is a, 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 for people who are coming from the working class voice, you know, that it does... Nobody's going to say, oh, Richard, uh, Rich reminds me of Daniel Kitson. And, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, your own yeah. voice, it's exactly. different. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, you're right. Do you, mm. And you've had, did you have counselling and things like that? You did, didn't you? You went and had, yeah. you see someone? Oh, and, yeah, I've had loads. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, well, when did I first start that? Oh, you'd have to, wouldn't you? I had some in school, actually, because they give you free counselling in school, don't you, if you've got enough going on. Really? And then... Um, Mm. I had one, one, one sent me for an assessment actually in the second, because I really naughty in secondary school, and they sent me for an assessment to see if I had ADHD. Oh wow! Um, but it, 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 they said I didn't. They said I just, I just look lack structure or something. I can't remember it was something daft. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you were, well, like you say, you had a lot going on at home, so that was bound to sort of sort of leak into your school life. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't for me really. School, yeah. you know, I mean. I didn't like the fact that you had to sit down all the time. I'd always had a problem with that. You know, <laughs> I remember even when I was like eight years old, they did that to, you know, for a game in class, they did uh, Wink Murder. And they used oh, to do yeah, it every yeah, Friday yeah. as a treat. Oh, I used to find it so boring having to sit with my head. So I used to put a sign up once I'd been killed or whatever, winked at. Instead of, I'd just put a sign up saying dead and then I'd go <laughs> off and do whatever I wanted to do because I thought, oh, I'm not lying here with my head in my hands for half an hour, you know. So I've never been good at sitting still, which is great, you know, for performance. You're creative, you're on your feet all the time. But it doesn't yeah. always fit with the school system, does it? You no. know, sitting down for an hour, ooh. 
I was the same. No. I just wasn't. I just wasn't interested in what they were telling me. And mm. my dad said, he goes, you never keep still. He goes, he, like I'd, he said, the amount of times I'd be stood in the doorway of the lounge watching the telly, <laughs> but getting ready to getting ready to fuck off. And he's like, just sit down yeah. or just sit down or go out, but do one or the other. But yeah, I just, I've, yeah. I've always been, the, I've always been the same. If I'm around the, I can't, I'm never, I'm not very academic. And I, if you, yeah. if I'm bored, I can't hide it, you know? No, I can't. Yeah. So is that, if you, were you quite sort of, well, it's, as they say it's like ADHD sort of, but I think it's like more of a kinetic learner, isn't it? Were you just a bit yeah. more hands-on? Did you do all right at school? How did you get on? I just left in the end. I don't even know. Yeah. I've lied on so, I've said this before, I've, I've lied on so many CVs. <laughs> I don't know. I really genuinely think I've got a, an A in chemistry in GCSE, but I, I definitely <laughs> haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, but you I know just, what? They never check, do they? No, my school's not even there anymore. So, you know, I could say what Couldn't I want. check if they tried. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I did the same. I mean, I've never... Um, I, well, I actually flew off to Corfu with my boyfriend at the time. He'd got a claim in after having an accident on a scooter. Yeah. And uh, we went off to Corfu. So I miss my GCSEs. But <laughs> this is quite sweet. One of my teachers turned up on my doorstep because I was in a sort of supported housing thing. I'd left home and was in, it's like supported lodging, somewhere between foster care and living independently. Yeah. And uh, he turned up at my door and he said, look, I, I could get sacked for this, but I've snuck a paper out because I really want you to sit your English exam. And oh, so wow. I sitted it in my living room. So that, I think I got a D for that. So it wasn't fabulous, but considering I'd not attended for two years, I mean, I used to do guest appearances at school, you know, but... <laughs> So, yeah. you know, but he was lovely, very sweet man, really. Yeah, I just know. didn't... But he's not I, for yeah. everybody. No, I did this, that, yeah, yeah. Again, goes back to what you were saying about some people just don't fit into that framework. I I, genu I definitely didn't. And the teachers at no. my school, when we would... When, I remember it, I'd be just sat there. They they gave up on me and they and I'd given up on them. There was no animosity. They weren't horrible to me. They were just like... They, I, mm. I was just sort of like... So like just seeing the hours out until I could just leave, and I just stopped going. I got I went and got a job doing removals and just didn't go back. And it, yeah, and it, yeah. I, I tried to get into the sixth form a bit later on, but the um, Mr. Harding, the, the the guy, took me to one side. And he went, "This is not for you, Rich." He goes, "I don't know what is for you, <laughs> but school is not for you. You're not academic. Just go and f go go and find. You know, yeah. you're a good lad. You're a good lad, but just go and find something that that's you." And that was it. Mm. I just stopped going, and so and some people are like that. My youngest son's like that. He doesn't. He was shit at school because he just didn't fit in, didn't like it, you know. And that's I think. But we're not having these conversations. We're just like you either fit in or you don't, and that's it. Yeah, they, they're not open, are they, to like new new ways of doing things? It was the same with me. I I went to the uh, careers advice, and they said, "Oh, you're very chatty, so maybe you could be a travel agent." That was their advice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, where'd you get this stuff from? Well, you've been at Corfu, so... Yeah, I know. Well, I should have said that, shouldn't I? But it was mad, you know, and and, and I was in that M1 room, you know, the room where you get sent with the Mars bars and stuff, you know. They, they give you Mars bars, they don't trouble you, you do your own thing. And I didn't really go in, but I'd pop in occasionally. I'd always wear my own clothes. I once wore knee-high boots to school and the, the teacher actually <laughs> took me out to get some more uniforms. She said, I'm going to buy you some uniform at my own wages because you can't keep coming to school like that, you know. But they just wow. write you off, don't they, and put you in that little room. You know, it's me, naughty kids, and you're off there. I remember once going back, because I went to Bolton College, I did the first diploma, and then I went back with one of the girls who was... Uh, 
Uh, she was at my school and she was in my year, but she was, I suppose, what you call a nerd or whatever. She was just a healthy human being with a good mum and dad, but, you know, you call her a nerd. Um, anyway, we became really good friends. Yeah. You know, we became really good friends in uh, college. And we were walking past Turton, this school we went to, and, and we, she said, oh, I'll pop in and say hello to the headmaster. Now, I used to sit with the headmaster, but usually when you've been sent out of a lesson or whatever, you know, and I, was, I really liked him. Anyway, I went back in. And they happened to have this big event on. I couldn't believe it. And she knew everybody. She knew the music teacher, the drama teacher. You know, they were having this big presentation. There was kids doing the clarinet. I remember thinking, I did not go to this school. This was completely different. But that school had two things going on. They had the ones for the naughty kids where they kind of just wrote you off. And then they had all these brilliant activities going on for other kids, you know. Yeah. So it was quite interesting to realise what bracket you'd been in and that there was a whole alternative world available um at that yeah. school you know quite strange yeah. really isn't it it's mad isn't it i, mm. I don't i don't know I don't, it, it, every time i think i oh, make that much changes must be happening now and then you you see all they're worried about is the numbers isn't it they're worried about ofsted and the mm. numbers and making sure that the school looks good and yeah and, and they're not dealing with individuals and it, and we're all different and you know mm. it's a tricky one isn't it yeah um, yeah but this this pot this 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 insane in the fembrane came about uh, because mm-hmm. I was talking to Jade and she decided she said she goes you don't know much about women do you and I went no and I thought I did and then <laughs> and then so that's so this is where this came about so I'm basically I don't want to ask what so. context she said that to you in let's just <laughs> no it wasn't we were on the sofa we were in front of the telly it wasn't like yeah yeah it wasn't in the in the boud- in the boudoir halfway through she's like. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know much about women. (laughs) Oh, hang on. I'm sorry to be rude, but a package has just arrived at the front door. Sorry. That's right, mate. Yeah, go on. Is that all right? Just one sec. Oh, that's all right. I'll grab it. He's seen me. Perhaps we could have a live opening on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Find out what it is. (laughs) That's a good idea. Let's find out. It might not be for me, though. That's the thing. Let's open it anyway. Yeah, let's open it. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Let's see who it's for. Oh, Sophie Willen, it is for me. Oh, fabulous. Right, Here we go. Let's find excited. out what it is. Drum roll, please. Here we go. Woo, a live opening. Oh. oh, my God, it's very boring. I'll tell you what it is. It's flip chart paper. It's sad, but I'm obsessed with this stuff. I love it, honestly. It's the only way I can write me. I need to plan everything out. So when I'm plotting, especially with the series, but even with stand-up shows, I have to get flip chart paper, you know, just have it all out. So I write all the bits, a chapter them all, or if it's scenes or if it's stand-up sections, and I need to have it on the flip chart, and then I'll write up a beat sheet onto A4, and then from there write it up on the script each scene yeah. headed and then fill them in but it starts with the flip chart so well that's it you need Ooh, to get I'm it knackered you, after that <laughs> that's exciting it's our first live opening it's the adrenaline of it all isn't it <laughs> that's it i mean you've ordered it you know what it is and yet it's so exciting mm. when it turns up isn't it <laughs> oh it's wonderful it's like a present from yourself isn't it yeah <laughs> i had older headphone splitter so that two people can listen to something at the same time uh through their headphones yeah i was over the moon 
over the moon. Mm. It's amazing what gets you going now, isn't it, in these times? <laughs> I love getting, really I love getting stuff for the for to, to record the podcast because it makes me feel professional. Yeah. It makes me feel like I know what I'm doing, even though it's producer Paul going. You need to get one of these, dickhead. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I'm stationary. I love having when you're about to start a new. I know when I was starting mm -hmm. uh, like shows for Edinburgh, like getting a new book. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the first term of school, isn't it? When you've oh, got yeah. all the optimism, when you think, I'm not going to get excluded again, I've got a new pencil case, you know. <laughs> it's the same with shows. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's a fresh it's, it's start, a, isn't it? It is a, it's a fresh start. You're full of optimism. And like you say, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to knuckle down this time. And then a couple yeah. of weeks in, a couple of weeks in, you're suspended for Yeah, well, you think what shit. I haven't thought about is how fucking boring Mrs. Parsons then, that's what I'm not <laughs> taking into equation here. I do love a new notepad though, you know, when you get going, like you say, and you just, you get ready and you put your show title on the front and then it usually that's changes it. about six times, you know, but you just, there's so much excitement, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Well, I learned early on that to call the show something kind of vague, so you're not trapped in, you're not trapped in, because I did that once, I was trapped in the title mm. of the show. And it had to be about that. Oh, God. So then I sort of made it a bit more vague. So I could talk, talk about anything, really. It's tricky, that, isn't it? Because yeah. you want to keep it vague, but then also keeping it vague and precise. If you can get that in one title, that's the best, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just call it that, vague and precise. I never felt I fitted in. And the more I have conversations with people doing this, I realise no one really feels like they fit in. Mm, it's, it's, it's so true, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, we have this way, like we've already touched upon it, where society says we should learn, we should be, we should fit into this framework. And then a lot of our, lot of our mental health issues come from the fact that we don't fit into that and we're made to feel like we should. Uh, and that's why we're all yeah. stressed out because we feel, oh shit, I'm wrong. I'm different. I don't fit in. And I don't know if that's how you felt, but I seem, it seems to be, people mm. are finding that now. They're finding like, oh, I don't fit in. I must be weird. I must be wrong. But we're not, we're just different. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of comedians, I think, who get swallowed up by why have they got that and I've not. I've not got this because I should have had that and I, you know, this is because of this and, you know, and it gets very angry, very political, very personal as well at the same time and yeah. a lot of fighting with it, you know, and I think it's a dangerous slope to go down when you feel like you're the only one being screwed over in your identity bracket, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tricky it's, one, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. And I see a lot of, you know, at the moment it seems to be, I mean, I don't know, This might, it just seems like men are evil, women women have got all the answers, and we're sort of like being pitted against each other by the media. Mm. And it's not, I was talking to Ella Latina about this the other day, and it was, and she was saying, no, we, we are, we're just human beings. We're not, yeah, I'm a woman, you're a man, yeah. but that's it. We're very much the same, really. Mm. Yet the media mm. are putting us against each other, and I don't know, you know, if if you feel how you feel about that, because we are the sort, we are the same, aren't we? It doesn't, how you know, it's a. I funny think one. it's both, isn't it? I think on yeah. the one hand, you know, we do need to focus more on what unites us, all of us, you know, and 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 those things, because you do see the kind of, you know, the, I feel like the white middle class raging men is is bigger and larger than the normal isn't it I, i've noticed yeah. but then you can kind of understand in some ways because you think whenever people feel a loss of play a displacement or, or when things are changing quite suddenly and stuff you know 
particularly with women and you know new working class women voices and stuff like that or you know lots of different things did that frightens people and, and fear can often lead to anger and you know so I think you can understand where all these things come from can't you but I think maybe yeah. it's trying to find the things that connect you rather than what uh, separates you isn't it exactly you that's know. what we exactly yeah. what we should be doing and it but it just seems we're all focusing or we're being made to focus on negatives and and and, and shutting people down and, yeah exactly whereas the especially now the way with this with this this virus shit going on now more than ever we should be coming together and working together but there's still mm. i still see people fighting about things and i'm like what are you there's other things to be worried about where people are, thousands of people are dying every day because of this virus yeah and you're, yeah, I mean, it's and you're and, yeah, yeah, and you're still fighting about this bullshit. Come on, man. We should all be coming together, you know, and, and that's the only way we'll yeah. get through this is if we all come together. You know, it, it, I find it frustrating it's, sometimes, you know. I do. It felt like at moments there's a sense of coming together and unity and love of our NHS and, and lots of wonderful things, you know. But then I think as things go on and it takes its toll and then obviously... The recession that's going to come off after it that that's a frightening mm. concept isn't it because yeah. i think that's when people get very segregated and angry and blaming yeah. you know i think that's always a frightening time isn't it when we go into yeah. recessions and and stuff you know yeah. yeah and again and again it's the people working on the ground that they're the ones that get affected the most because what's going to happen now mm. is that train companies and, and travel companies are going to put their fares up because they've been losing money and you mm. know so mm. and so we're not going to be able to afford to go to work and and then a lot of people lost their jobs and and yet at the same time we're getting yeah. told by we're getting told by these blustery bags of wind in 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 Westminster ah oh, come on you know, Dunkirk spirit we'll, we'll get through this you know like, are you yeah. fucking kidding you don't fucking know what you're talking about mate it's it's yeah. we're we're the ones that be affected that are going to be affected and yet we're the ones that are still fighting with each other we, you, I know well that's you know. always the way of it isn't it you know it's like they set us up and then fight amongst each other I mean I found that particular time with David Cameron was the worst time for kind mm. of pitting working class people against each other. And it's like, you know, who's on welfare? He's, he's getting that. He shouldn't be on that. Well, mm. he's not on that. You know, the benefit shaming, the class yeah, shaming, yeah, yeah. Yes, the yeah. immigration shaming, all these horrible things, you know, the racism, you know, all these things were coming up that I just... You know, and that's what you get afterwards. And I mean, you know, I, f I felt Cameron was awful for it. The whole culture at that time for me was, you know, very, you know, yeah. institutional as well. You know, you've got to, Britain's Got Talent. Simon Carroll was lauded at that time. I remember watching Britain's Got Talent and, you know, you're getting people come on who are clearly vulnerable people. Yeah. You know, who are getting laughed at in an arena yeah. full of people like some sort of freak show from the nineteen yep. from the seventeen hundreds or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's Jade up to? Is she she mincing around in the background then, just chirping in, saying she, yeah, yeah, yeah. things and leaving the room. <laughs> she she gets all fired up and she'll blurt something out and then she'll fuck off again. Oh, yeah. She's hiding somewhere, I don't know where she is. She's yeah. in the kitchen. Hang on, hang on. What? Mm. She's making food for herself. She's tidying our bedroom. Fabulous. It's, it's a pigsty. Are you not uh, tidying yeah. the room? No, she's been sitting on her ass. Hey, I tell you what, I'd love one of them cocktails she whips up. They look fabulous. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love a cocktail in this house. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's, we've a lot oh, of, yeah. There's been a few messages going, oh, what's that? What's that? So, 
Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> see, that's what we've been doing. I tell you what, because Jade has been very hands-on with that. She's been like making kombucha and she's been making cocktails Ooh. and she's been getting stuck in, whereas I've... I haven't, and it's not. It's just because she loves doing it, and she's really good at it. And I sort of, I sort of sit in the corner, just making the most. Going, oh, I'm loving this, but it sounds set. <laughs> well, it the sounds thing sexist. is, you only need no, but you only need one chef, don't you? I mean, the other person has got to be letting them know how every, all the flavours are. That's that's a very important job, Rich, that you exactly. take on there. You know, I mean, we do do. I do my bit. I do my bit of cooking and cleaning and things like that, but. It sound, the way I'm saying it now, like she's in the kitchen and I'm just sat <laughs> twiddling my thumbs. No, but she's hardly like a submissive housewife. It's more like a sort of chef, isn't it? It's a different yes, lead. it's because Jade yeah. has decided she's going to cook. There's nothing submissive mm. about Jade Adams. <laughs> and it's sometimes, yeah, exactly. yeah, and sometimes the old uh, chauvinist in me finds that hard to deal with. <laughs> you know, you go, hey, yeah, well, it's you a different dynamic. Know your place. Oh, I thought you were going to come and say something then. You all right? Do you want to say hello? <laughs> hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> all right then. Thanks. Hello. Dave. She's off. <laughs> how does jo you're, Johnny? Because you're, you know, because you're, you get yeah. stuck in and you're a strong woman. And how does your, how does Johnny find that? Is he, because he's quite chilled out, I isn't think he? He flicks well. What we're yeah. realising is he's not as chilled out as we thought. Actually, he's quietly <laughs> neurotic. Oh shit! Right. This oh, is the okay. thing, you know. You you think always oh, dead chill, but actually, it's all bubbling under the surface with John. Do you know what I mean? So that that's been interesting for him to realise about himself as well. Actually, as time's gone on, because he's doing therapy as well. So you know, yeah. it's all very millennial. We do our therapy. And we sit and chat about it afterwards. I mean, you can't get more millennial than that, can you? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, so he's working out that he's, yeah, he's got, I, well, what we worked out with my, my therapist, God, I, I sound so millennial, uh, is that we're both opposite ends of the same spectrum. All right. So we just basically, he's quite disassociative and I'm, I can't remember if it said ambivalent now or something like that, where I'm kind of, kind of hyper, hyperactive, hyper aroused, hyper vigilant state and he's yeah. more disassociative, distractive, but it comes from the same core of anxiety, uh, actually. We have the same sort of core, the same response to different things, but just in a different form. Yeah. So it's a funny one, isn't it? You know, the quiet ones, or the, the, the ones who seem chilled, they're usually mental when you get beneath the surface. <laughs> I and I think because... Oh, you can't say that word now, can you? <laughs> <I'm> disclaimer. <laughs> got to be careful now. Apparently it's a derogatory word, you know. What, call, call you call it mental... <laughs> Yeah, but then I think, well, you know, these words like, you know, they, they, they make things more universal and more um, accessible, actually, in the reality sometimes. So it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't it, between yeah. what is uh, derogatory and what is actually personable and human as well, you know. Exactly. And sometimes, like, you know, Jade stood there, we've been arguing, she'd go, you're fucking mental. <laughs> and then you, then you go away and you go, yeah, I am fucking mental. I think in this situation, well, everything, everything's amplified, isn't it? So we're all shining the light on our idiosyncrasies. God, and yeah. our, you know, and I, I realised today I'm becoming, I'm putting all my energy and anger and shit into, into cleaning. So I'm becoming obsessed with the cleanliness. Great. Where... I, I, I tell should, you what, there's nothing better it. than an angry cleaner, though. <laughs> but it gets to a point. I it's think like, it's you brilliant. Know, but you don't want to get to a point where you know someone puts a cup down, they just finished it, and you're like, and you grab it, and put it straight <laughs> in the sink. No one wants that prick around. 
So it's fine. I know, but Rich, that's me as well. So I completely relate to you because I'm the same. (laughs) I'm incredibly controlling when it comes. I think what it is as well is it's a way to control your own inner chaos, isn't it? You know, if you if you quite you know there's stuff going on, or you've had a chaotic different things going on. You can be quite hyper vigilant about mess, you know, or, or yeah. could try and control your environment so it feels stable and calm and tidy. Stableness, type, you know, they make you feel like you, you you're calmer and more stable in yourself. May not be true, but you know, I'm yeah. the same. I need spaces to be clean. Me and me and Johnny are staying there, his parents now permanently. We're living in the attic at the minute. Oh, are you? Uh, and right. I just absolutely cleaned the attic out the other day. I cleaned all the paperwork and you know put everything in place and. It looks fabulous. I brought them up for a tour of the parents yesterday. And it was like changing rooms, you know. They were like, my God, we can't, we can't believe the space. We've not seen the floor for 10 years, you know. But for me, I just had to do it because there's no way I could stay in that space and, and keep my mental health afloat with yeah. mesh, you see. I mean, it, there's a real trigger for me. So I really yeah, relate. Is it the same for you? Yeah. I have to have it. If I, before I do anything, I just have to have everything tidy in a way and mm. then I can focus on what I'm doing. Because I can't, I can't. Otherwise, it bothers me that things are out, out, things are untidy and not clean, and and it shouldn't be. I shouldn't. It shouldn't be that bad. It, but it's. I don't know. I mean, the, I just the, need the difficult bit. thing is, I'm the same with Johnny. He's very messy. I'm, I'm over controllingly tidy. You might say, yeah, whatever. But I think what happens is you'd like to meet in the middle, but actually, what happens is you end up both. Uh, making each other worse, you know, because his yeah. messiness makes me more intensely controlling about tidiness, and then my controllingness about tidiness makes him more messy. So it actually <laughs> exacerbate each other. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're just mm. banging up against each other instead of just. Yeah, I don't know what the yeah. answer is, but yeah, and then you get to a point you go, "Well, I'm not fucking giving in. I'm not giving in. I'm not having it." <laughs> and then yeah. yeah, and then you end up yeah. banging up. Yeah, and then you got to work out like. Michael Smiley said this. He was saying, "Like, do you want to be do you want to be right or do you want to be happy?" And that's the difference, isn't it? You, know? Something's got, you don't. I know, but be... can we be happy in mess? That's the thing. No, I don't it's want to be tricky. happy in mess. If I if I don't clear up or or say something, I'll end up I'll end up I don't know what I'll end up going mad. We'll get a cleaner. <laughs> that's it's not the it's not the option to know, get a well, cleaner. Put your fucking socks away. <laughs> Honestly, this is us too. It's really funny. It's funny and it's in the reverse as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. We are very much the opposite of each of yes. It's it's the mm. same thing going on. And it yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's feel just, angry with Johnny sometimes. Like I sent him a really angry WhatsApp message last year about I I, I took a picture of it because it was so ridiculous. I thought, Do you know what? I, I need to make an effort to be better because I was furious about the pens. You know, I sent him a really aggressive <laughs> Really aggressive WhatsApp message in the middle of a nice day, you know, being like, just so you know, I've tried six fucking pens. Not one as a lead that's not been chewed. You know, it was this really big rant about <laughs> Oh, pens. my God. It's the same. But I was furious. Yeah. yeah, I was furious about the pens. And then I had to take a minute and think, you know, there's bigger fish to fry, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I just realised that. Yeah, there's 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 other things to worry about. I yeah, I know, I know. Mm. I'm talking to you as much as I'm talking to myself. Just that, just because yeah. I I, t- I take it too personally, and it isn't an attack. I know it's not that. Did you have people who were critical about things? Because I'm I think if you've had somebody who's been critical, I don't know. Would they? Did you have anybody in no, your no, home? Well, 
I've I've li- I've lived in places, and I, I remember living in Maidstone in Kent, and the, the the washing up would be stacked in the in the sink for for weeks. I mean, no one ever go near it, and then it would take. We'd have like one blast through it, but it was a fucking mess. So I don't know. Maybe that's why you're so frightened of mess, then, because of those parts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what my fucking problem is. I need to sort myself out, though. (laughs) Well, you just need to meet in the middle, you two, don't you? As do me and Johnny. We just all need to be more patient with each other's. And it's a two-way street, patience, isn't it? You know, people yes. have to be patient with our cleanliness needs and also appreciate the tidiness. It does help being appreciated, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. But then also we have to be, you know, patient and appreciative of actually there's something nice about being a bit more liberated and not being you know, emotionally imprisoned by a towel on the floor, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I just, yeah, <laughs> I know. I've got to stop taking it personally and thinking that it's... Oh, everyone's having a go at me. And it's not. Just chill out, man. Mm. I just got to chill out. That's it. And I think that's what that's what we should all be doing. We should all be chilling out and being a little bit more empathetic and understanding. You know, and that's chill the fuck out. Yeah, chill the fuck out, mate. Yeah. So when is your? So you've had the pilot out of. Uh, you had the pilot out. And yeah. That was very well received. Had the pilot well out. Well, do you know what's great on the subject we were talking about? You know about. The thing about feeling that it doesn't get noticed by the critics, or you know, you were saying about the podcast awards and it being mm. the great thing is when you keep plodding on, you, you keep going, eventually you'll get those critics because they do have to come around, they have to, and then yeah. you have the people and the critics. Because I tell you what happens with the with the people who are often considered cool and in the critics' choice or whatever, they very rarely get the people first. True. You know, and actually, yeah. if you get the people first and then the critics, that's that's the best, and that's what I was pleased with. Alma's not normal. Is it had both? It straddled both because actually mm. the people always came first with the work anyway. You know and that that was the lucky thing about it. You know, yeah, so I think probably yeah. the same with with your podcast, won't it? And and just oh, absolutely, I think that, yeah. That is the beauty with the working class voices. Is actually they do resonate with people first, and then critic stuff come later. You know. Yeah, you're right. You're so, right because the, the the amount of the messages messages I get from people regarding this podcast and. Is so it blows me away how how the, the people love it and they love listening to it and they they love the interaction mm. and 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 that yeah I shouldn't I don't know why I worry about the other thing because the people love it and that's what's more important and I should again chill the fuck out and just just yeah <laughs> that should be your mantra out. then for the, for this yeah. lockdown that's it yeah yeah we're doing that yeah Rich Wilson <laughs> chills the fuck out <laughs> yeah. This has been lovely, though, Sophie. I really appreciate you oh, coming you on. Oh, you too. Where can we find you, mate, online and all that? So I'm responding to people's questions as well. So people have been asking me about my career journey. So I've been kind of going through that chronologically. And then I'm sharing updates of the writing process. When we go into pre-production, I'm going to take people behind the scenes and show them that. And then on set, I'm going to do some behind-the-scenes stuff there. So Instagram oh, nice. and Facebook's probably the best place to find me at the minute while I'm cracking on and then lovely check out the pilot on BBC iPlayer brilliant and it is brilliant I'm going to tell you that now it's excellent oh thank you but this has been lovely thanks Sophie oh take care 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Made by Darkhorse Digital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production. <laughs> 